quite like youth, Rob. That was ace. I used to be on the youth team. Not anymore. And uh, I marveled at a, whether it was a young person or a young adult trying to lead who was trying to take a selfie while suspended in the high rope section. Did anyone else see? Someone had their phone out. I'm like, I'm just hanging in midair and I will just have my phone out. Okay, so we are continuing our series on learning love and I have got the privilege, although I didn't respond to it as a privilege when I first saw the theme of loving family. Loving family. And I was like, well, and you're all probably thinking exactly what I thought when I first saw this message title. You're thinking, well, you better have something diamond. Because have, have you met my family? Well, let me say to you, have you met mine? And I'd like to point out that you are part of your family. And someone's probably thinking exactly the same about you and exactly the same about me. And thankfully... God has a lot to say about family as well. So we're going to ha- camp out there rather than what all of our experiences. So forgive me if there aren't that many examples in today's message. We're going to stick with the Bible and what is good and healthy and right because that's what, God's, that's what God wants. God, the, fa- the word family or the theme of family takes up an awful lot of space in the Bible. The word family itself is mentioned over 120 times in the Bible. I did not count this. I googled, so if it's wrong, blame the person who bothered to sit down and count. And then the number of references to child, father, mother, household, family kinds of references, more than 1,500 times in the Bible. It's mentioned a lot. So can we all agree, politics and families aside, the actual I, the principle of family in God's eyes is a good thing and an important thing. And I've just realized my mother-in-law is sat right in front of me. I've lucked out with my mother-in-law. Can we just put that out there right away? I love my mother-in-law. Okay, so family, we're going to look at the, the way God defines family. We're going to look at what God purposed for family. And also, I want to say that we are going to be looking at family as in, yes, our biological and our legal setup of family. But I also believe that this is family. And I believe that's what God wants as well. And family in its ideal and original design and purpose is a very powerful thing. Family can prevent loneliness. It can create community. It can provide a structure for relational, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. So the idea and principle of family is not only a good thing, but I believe it is a God thing. And that is where we are going to stay. Because all jokes aside, family can be a difficult thing for a lot of people. And people have very different experiences of family. Family can be a hard thing. Not just, you know, the highs and lows of family, but actually... That the experience of family can be a, quite a traumatic thing. So I don't want to make light of that at all. And that's also why I want to really camp out in what God says about family. Because I believe that there are things that then we can take into our families based on what God says. And we can say, actually, I'm going to be intentional with my responsibility and my contribution to family. Whether I am a child, whether I have the privilege of leading a family... Any contribution I make in a family, I can decide and define what that's going to be based on what God says. So that's what we are going to do today. 
And for those of you for whom this topic is difficult, again, I said this is a family. And I want to say right from the outset that there is a space and a place for you in this family. And we're going to talk about in a little while that there is room more than enough for any single and every single person to find their place in the family of God. So sit on that if you take nothing else. So how does God define family? So I said there was quite a lot of references in the Bible. And just to show you that God's definition and understanding of family is not just the 2.4, or that if that even is child, number of children anymore in a household, I don't know. But in Luke 8, let's get jump in with the first scripture. There's quite a few scriptures I've realized today, so just speed write them down and then read them later. Um, Luke 8, 19 to 20, um, it's what Jesus' mother and brothers are here, and people say, said to him, Who, what, your mother and your brother are outside. And Jesus says, my bro- mother and brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. And then a few scriptures, a few verses later, later on in Luke 8, and I'm not going to read all of this, but um, it's the story um, in Luke 8, 41 to 56, of Jairus' daughter and also um, the woman with um, uncontrollable bleeding. Um, and in verse 42, we, we are introduced to Jairus' daughter. His daughter was dying. But then also, a few verses later, whilst Jesus is on the way to Jairus' daughter to wake her up, um, a woman touches the hem of his garment and is healed. And Jesus turns to her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. So mothers, brothers, daughters, everything's interchangeable because in the family of God, every single person has their place. Um, And finally, again, just to illustrate, John 19, um, when Jesus is on the cross He wants to make sure that his mother is taken care of. So he says, dear woman, here is your son, who we understand and believe to be John, who was writing the gospel. And to this son, John, here is your mother. And just just some examples of the interchangeable way that God defines and uses this theme of family. There is room and space for every single one of us in the family of God. Family is so important to God. And so family should be important to us. And... uh, Again, jokes aside, I'm not here because I've got this nailed in any way. But I am here because something I've discovered through the hard ways and the easy ways, um, the treasure and the joy of knowing God's love. I have known the treasure and the joy of being placed in a family, in a church family, and being able to build my own. I call this house home. And I call, whether you like it or not, I call you guys family. And some of you have been family to me over the years. I remember Mike and Janet, who are like mum and dad away from home. Like, when I was a student, they came up to me, and it must have been like the end of term, and funds were tight, because Janet put her arms around my shoulder and went, you are coming for a meal. And I was like, okay, okay. They're like mum and dad, they, and they always will be. And I'm sure they are to other people. Yes, let's honor them. Absolutely. So you are family. We are family today. And if that's weird for you, if it's your first time, just come with us. It's okay. It's okay. So, and also, by the way, God has no favorites. So if I've experienced that, any single and every single one of us can. And when we understand God's design for family, like I said, we can affect change in our own. So we can change our own approach and behavior towards our family, regardless of how they choose to 
interact with us. We can see who is in our family and celebrate them. We can recognize unhealthy traits and pre in previous iterations and generations and ensure they do not continue. We can begin to articulate and pray for our, our future and our family's future according to what we understand God's best is. And we can love our families because we understand how precious the design of family is and because we recognize the grace we have to do it and because we know that God loved us first. And so this is the title of today's message. It is Loving Family the Father's Way. Because there is no other person to whom I would look to for an example of how to love family than the person and the one who designed it and articulated it and whose love is perfect. Which is, can be quite a high at all order for any single one of us, but let's be inspired. Let's be challenged. There is more that we can do when it comes to loving our family. And, be, and showing them love and, being, and allowing ourselves to be loved as well. And that is for someone here in this room. So we're going to use a few scriptures from 1 John and Romans um, across this message to help us understand more about the Father's love towards his family and how we can flesh that out. So whistle-stop tour of 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Knowing God is crucial. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. This is um, verse 14. But a person who has no love is still dead. Is anyone alive today? <laughs> um, and then verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. There is a lot to be said about loving our family. So rem let's remember, before we jump into the practical outworkings, and I've got a few points to cover, we are looking at, yes, our biological and our legal families, whether that's the households we live in, our wider extended families, but it's also very much about this family here today. And if you're listening online, you too. Okay, so the very first thing is love God first. 1 John 5, 2 says, we know we love God's children, read family, if we love God and obey his commandments. It is impossible to love God's children, in brackets family, without loving God and obeying his commandments because, quite frankly, it's really hard. Have you met me? <laughs> I'm, like, there are hard to, there are, it's times when I am very hard to love. Like, and I'm sure you can say the same about yourselves if you, want, if you are honest about it. So we need God's love in us. And we need to follow and obey his commandments and not my expectations because his ways are way higher than mine. So we need to, with loving God reminds me of my own shortcomings. But also loving God reminds me of the grace that covers me. To know that I am loved and to be able to love others in spite of my feelings my, my thoughts, their actions, and, and anything else that's thrown in for, the, for good measure. I'm not up to the task without God. God's laws are way perfect, as I said, and way higher, and they need to be. 1 Corinthians 12. I am jumping through, but I've like got, I was like, I've got so much to say. Like The family is mentioned 1,500 times in the Bible. I'm trying not, I won't, there's not 1,500 references. Don't worry, we're okay. 
1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 27 says, This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All you together are Christ's body. Read family. And each of you is part of it. So how can we possibly love each other if we don't love the one who joins us all together? And there are, there are some schools of thought, and I like haven't, I'm not like certain of the facts, so I don't want to say it is true, but there are, God is our glue, and God is our DNA in many respects. And some scientists, some pockets of science, and you, you might have read about this yourself, believe that God is literally in our DNA. And like I say, I'm not a scientist. I stopped science when I had, when I could do, when I was at like 15, 16. But some, some people have said that Yahweh, which is the Hebrew name for God, is literally in the DNA because scientists helped me out. DNA bridges are 10, 5, 6, 5. And the numerical numbers or the, for the, le- or the numer- numerical values for the Hebrew alphabet for Yahweh are 10, 5, 6, 5. Now, I don't know if that is true because I wasn't the scientist who found that out. But that is inspiring. And God is in our DNA regardless. God, God's fingerprints are all over us. So how can we love, like I say, anyone else if we don't love the one who literally holds us all together? So if you, if you don't know God's love, and if you don't say that I know God enough to love him back, then today's response for you is let's address that. There is a hope for you, and there is a salvation, a decision for you to make today to say, I want in on this family. My life up till this point, my family is broken. My family is not perfect. If there is something that's out there that's better, there is. Make that decision today. And there'll be people there who would love to pray for you and walk with that through with you. When we love God first, we love others better. The second thing is know your place. That's like, and I'm saying that with as little teacher voice as possible. Because it's not about that. John 14, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Verse 2 to 3 says, There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So this isn't about knowing your place as in like, you know, you should be seen and not heard. This is know your worth. God has a place prepared for you. In his father, in his house, there is a place for every single one of us to be at home in the family of God. Romans 8, 15 to 17. So you have received, you have, no, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. This bit really weighed down on me. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we we must also share his suffering. And this is what jumped out at me. And this is what I believe there's one or two people in this room who need to hear this. 
No one in any family should be a slave to another. No one should put that on someone else and no one should put it on themselves either. How, is anyone in here playing the martyr card in their family? Don't put your hands up. Please know the difference between serving your family and being enslaved to your family. Everyone is precious. Everyone has their place, a place that is prepared by our Heavenly Father. And we are not called slaves we are called children. We're singing about that later. We are called children. So please, again, one or two people, you need to switch your minds around. You are not there to be a slave to your family. If you're doing this month's Bible reading plan, it's all about love. And honestly, like if you just like join all of those together, you've got any preach that is worth its weight in gold. Um, because what's repeatedly coming out is the importance of knowing how loved we are before we can love anyone else. So for those with difficult dynamics in their family, again, know this. In God's family, you are not disqualified. In God's family, there is room for you. In God's family, you are a child. You are not a slave. There is nothing to earn. There is nothing that you need to, no boxes you need to tick or no hoops you need to jump through to prove your worth to your father. You have a place. And you need to know that if you're ever going to outwork the father's love to anyone else. So as much as we are talking about loving our family, we need to know our worth first. And it might feel backwards. It might feel weird that we're talking about ourselves and our, our relationship, but it's so... It's fundamental. If we're going to be God's hands and feet, if we're going to outwork the love of our Father towards anyone else, we've got to know how loved we are first. Do you know you are loved by your Father today? Do you know you have a place in the family of God today? Then you can move on. And then you can make room for everyone. So referring back to John 14, where it says there is more than enough room, we need to make room for more, <clears throat> for more people, because God has no favorites. God wants everyone. There is more than enough room in his house. Ephesians 2, 19 says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And it's fact. You are members of God's family. But it says you Gentiles. Now, if anyone who is not a Jew, which is, I'd like to probably assume is a very large part of this congregation, we are called Gentiles. So we were once excluded ourselves, but someone made room for us. So how dare we be selective when it comes to letting other people in? There is no black sheep in the family of God. And even if you think yourself as a, ba a black sheep, I was driving my Abigail around. This is the one story or illustration that might pop in because <laughs> it's a beautiful one. And I, well, there were some sheep in the field. And I was like, look at all those sheep, Abigail. And she went, I like the black ones. Like, You've got at least one fan today. We are all different. So in making room, we need to make room for everyone to discover and be, oh, that's yes. Sorry, I just read my notes. I went, oh, yes, that's what I wanted to say. Just come with me for a second. We need to make room for people to be themselves. So when we make room for people, it's not on our terms because are we the head of this family? No. 
God's made every single one of us to be exactly who we are. So we need to make room for people to be completely and utterly themselves with all of their flaws and faults, but with all of their gifts and with all of their expressions and with all of their emotions. There is room for every single one of us in the family of God to be completely and utterly ourselves, to make room for people to be themselves which requires us to be flexible, which requires us to be secure, which requires us to be willing to change. But this is a good thing because we grow ever more vibrant when we let more people in. Psalm 68, verse 5 to 6 says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I don't want to live there. I want to live in a place where there is room for people, the lonely, to come and find hope and to find people and to find love and know it. I want to live in a place where prisoners are set free. I want to live in the family of God. And it's God who does the placing. It says he sets the lonely in families. It is our job to make room. So make room today. And that might be a mindset thing for you. That might be someone sat in my seat that I normally sit in on a Sunday, but that's okay because there is more than enough room. And if there's not, we will buy more chairs. I will stand up. I will sit on the floor. It's okay. There is more than enough room. So be willing to, let's be okay and let's, uh, in being secure. Let's be okay with change. Let's be okay with being flexible to let the, the whosoever and the any and every single one who wants to come in to come in. And Romans 12:18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. This room for everyone also needs to be a safe room for everyone because the family setting should be the safest place. Going back to original design, putting aside current experiences or past experiences, the original design of family, according to God, is a safe place where you can decompress, you can be in completely raw, you can let all the ugly out if you need to because it's safe, because there's no judgment, because you can be real, because there is love and people will walk with you and through, through things with you. That is a safe place. It is... You need, there's no need to put on a show. There's no need to wear a mask when it comes to family. We all need safe spaces so we can work through the biggest and the hardest emotions where we can wrestle through hard things and, yes, where we can decompress. But always together. So make room and make room that is safe for others. And my last point, which is kind of obvious, but... How do people know that I love them? I show it. I act on love and I speak it out. Back to 1 John 3 verse 18. Dear children, let not, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. And Romans 12, again, 9 and 10. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. What I take from that is to love family is an intentional thing that we must keep reminding ourselves to do. 
Because family is the first group of people that we probably get familiar with because they're there all the time. And we get so familiar and we take them for granted. But actually, goodness me, let's not just say that we love them. Let's really show them through our actions. Let's understand how they need to hear and know that they are loved. If you haven't done the five love languages, and very often it comes up in marriage courses and things like that, but actually the five love languages is for anyone who wants to know love. And it changes with seasons as well. Ben and I did it when we first got married. Ben was like, acts of service, please just make me lunch every single day. I mean, that hasn't changed. And I every so often I get feedback on the lunch that I make. Too many snacks, who knew? Or I overfilled the sandwich. Sorry, we'll move on. We all change. And then we redid it. And it's changed. So we are, we are people, we grow, we learn, we expand. Understand how you like to receive love. And then understand how the people closest to you need to receive love. And speak to them in their lang love language. 1 John 3:17 If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion how can God's love be in that person I mean that's an ouch but it's like a oh yeah <laughs> This reminds me of the early church in Acts 2 when it says every single person sold what they had and there was no one in need And there are so many things that you can access here in this family if you are in need and if you don't know about it, please come and ask us because there are things that can, we can do to help. But also, relationally, if you see someone in need and it's within your power to help them, that's family. Then help them. Whether it's, I don't know, we, we've, got, we've had, we've, as young adult pastors well, in, our, in a previous life, we used to store stuff for students. Like our garage was like their storage locker when they went away when they went home in the summer periods. We've had graduates finding jobs, staying in our house, free babysitting though, so you know, swings and roundabouts. It's brilliant. It's family, that's what we do. If it's within my power to help, I will help you. And I'm saying it, because you're my family. We're saying it, because you're our family. Romans 12, 13 to 16. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, family. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And it's such a beautiful picture. And it can only be beautiful and stay beautiful when we buy into it, every single one of us, and stay humble and know our place. And I just wanted to touch on that hospitality thing. Like having people round into your home, welcoming people into your family. Hospitality is a spirit-given gift. It is very different to entertaining. Hospitality is a ministry. Family comes to you for rest and safe spaces where ministry can happen. Family comes in hoodies and tracky bottoms and messy buns or whatever the male equivalent is. It might be the same. There's no show or pretense. 
That's family and that's hospitality. Come as you are. So, to conclude, there are so many wonderful things that we can intentionally put in place in our families, at home and in church, because we've made, we've seen God model it. Some of those things are, let's make time, let's check our language, let's honor and respect people. And that's everyone towards everyone. That's not just the eldest being respected by the youngest, everyone. Young people, you have a voice and your voice is valid in this family. But let's put boundaries in place and make sure that our family is a safe space. There's an awful lot to, to unpack in all of this. There's an awful lot to think about. But let's remember, God designed families. So that means families are vitally important. And being in a family is vitally important. We have our earthly families, and that to some degree is out of our control. But we have God's family. And there is more than enough room in God's family today. Family by design and definition is so precious that it is used to describe God's church. And no one is excluded from that. Your earthly family may be absent, distant, broken. But your kingdom family will always be intact. And you have a place prepared just for you. So one last scripture before we're going to pray. And then we're going to sing. Ephesians 1, 4-5 says, Even before he made the world, God loved and chose us, you, in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us, you, into his own family by bringing us, you, to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So before we pray, as I said earlier on, God has chosen us to be part of his family. God has chosen you to be part of his family. Are you going to choose to be part of his family today? And that might be the, the response that you need to make. You realize you're not in the family, but you want to be. There is a place for you. And at the end of this service, there'll be people praying over to this side. Of, or if you're online, there'll be a button that you can select where someone can be in contact with you. Or if you come over to this side, please be brave and do it. People will, will be honored to welcome you into our family, into God's family today. But now we're going to pray. And every one of us has an experience of family. And every one of us has an understanding of what family should be and could be. And we're all in different situations and circumstances. So we're going to pray for our families at home, wherever they are. We're going to pray for ourselves, that we would intentionally build and love and serve our families. We're going to pray that we don't get familiar. And we're going to pray for each other. And that's how we're going to end. Because this has been a hard message. It's a hard, it can be a bitter pill to swallow, and I get that. So let's pray. Father in heaven, our Father, we love because you first loved us. And we thank you, God, for your love, the way you model love, the way you make space and room and time for people to be themselves, to be utterly vulnerable and safe in the parameters of the family of God. God, I thank you for the place that you prepared for me, 
for the place that you've prepared for every single one of us. Father, I pray for our families, those that we represent, those who are with us, sitting next to us in Kids Church right now. God, would you help us be your hands and feet, be an outworking of your love towards our families, wherever they are, whether they are close by or far away. God, would they know that we love them? Would they know that you love them, either by their own revelation or by our declaration, Father God? Father, I pray that you would help us all intentionally build, love, and serve our families. Not be slaves to them, Father God. Not to bend over backwards and compromise everything, Father God, and wear ourselves down. But serve, Father God, from a place of knowing how loved we are. And Father, would we not get familiar with the love of our Father? And would we not get familiar with the love of people around us, Father God? But would we chase after it, be reminded of it every single day, that we are so loved, that we have a place in the family of God, and so do so many other people. And would we have a heart that continues to chase after them, Lord God, and make room for them, Father God. And I pray for those people who are listening today, for whom this is hard, because family right now is hard. God, I pray for your grace, and I pray for your peace. And I pray that, God, they would know that this family is a safe space for them, where they can come and be themselves, decompress, get real, get raw, to then go and be the change that you have called them and placed them to be, Father God. But I pray for your comfort, first of all. We're going to carry on praying. We're going to carry on responding by singing the blessing. So I want you to stand, and wherever you are, continue praying. Pray for your family. Pray for those family that you are sitting alongside. Pray for those who you might know or those who God knows this is hard. But let's declare blessing over our families today.